Amoid Katan, Nafyud Gimal, the Masikh that has been dedicated by our good friend Mr. Martin Arani, Fuashir Maharab, Bitzal El, Ben Mazal Tov, El Narifanado, Betok Sha'ar Hole Amo Israel. Amen. We begin today's daf on Yud Bet Amud Bet, and we're going to start at the Mishnah on the bottom of the Amud, Matnitin, Machnis Adam Perotav. So on Cholamu'ed, again, let's say a person is worried about Ganavim, thieves, that they're going to uh, take the fruits. So he's allowed to uh, bring the fruits in and gather them uh, on Cholamu'ed. It seems that um, normally uh, this would be, let's say, I guess, Tirha. Tosfot is right away... Concern, what's the issue over here? Perush betosafot, harab da'abasifat perot ika melacha. So he wants to say that there could be actually a melacha in gathering fruit. Kedam nim perek en dorshin, gabe haga asif, asifa b'moed mishare. But tosafot says, ve'eni yodei amam melacha. I don't know which melacha it is, just gathering fruits together. V'sarich iyun, i torah belo melacha asir. So this is a case over here, we have terha, but there's really no melacha, could be Tosfot says, maybe that's why it's Asur, it's a terha, belo melacha. Uh, but nonetheless, the uh, concern over here is that there's going to be Ganavim, therefore uh, they allow him to, um, to do this uh, melacha, or this terha, let's say, in order to... Um, but it's a terhash yesh po melacha. Tosfot cannot identify the melacha. But it's muta. Bishole pishtano mena mishra bishvishelot tovat. He may take out his pishtan, the flax from the soaking, in order that it doesn't get lost, which means, I guess, if you leave it in the soaking for too long, so it becomes ruined. So therefore, you can remove it on cholam moed. Ubilvad, shelo yichavinet melachto ba moed. The key over here is that you don't. Uh, schedule it to do it on Chola Mo'ed. And all these cases, if he scheduled it to do it on Chola Mo'ed, it sounds like you cannot benefit from the uh, from the item, from the Pishtan or from the fruit that she says, Obviously that's a Knas, because he shouldn't have had uh, done this on Chola Mo'ed. He could have done it before, but he scheduled it, and therefore they Knas it. And now the Gemara begins. That even when we say you can bring the fruit in, he should do it. Now, why should you do it? We don't want people to make a uh, mistake and start to think that you're allowed to take any fruits into your house on Chola uh, Mo'ed. So you have to do it in a, uh, in a private way. Yosef had these beams, these heavy beams. I guess he couldn't leave them outside because they were going to become ruined, maybe in the rain or uh, by the sun. So he brought them into the shed or into his house in the middle of the day, broad daylight. So Abaye told him, the halacha says it's okay to bring the beams in, but you have to do it with What are you doing in the middle of the day? He said, actually, the way you bring beams in to the house in a, in a modest way is dafka bringing them during the day. Day is siniut. Why? 
Kivan de Ben at night, you need uh, additional people to help. You need torches in order to see. Of Shamilta, all of a sudden, middle of the night, you see people walking in the street with torches and lifting beams. It's much more, uh, much more of a commotion at night than it is in the day. Which is Adrabam. The sin'a of beams is actually in the day. And we said it's permissible to take the Pishtan outside of its uh, soaking, as long as you don't, you know, deliberately schedule it on for Cholamu'ed. Okay, interesting case. Let's say the Malabaya scheduled the work for Cholamu'ed, uh, and then what? He did it. He did it on Cholamu'ed. Okay, and then what? He died. So we learned in the Mishnah that what? For that guy who did it as a kanas, he's not allowed to have a hana'ah, from the item. In this case, he would not be allowed to have a hana'ah from the pishtam. So the question over is, Do they put the same knas on his children? Which means his children are yoresh now. Could the children now benefit from this pishtam? Or we say, no, this is contraband. Once it's asud, it's asud. So the Gemara is going to try to bring some proofs to this. So it's if you're going to come along to say, Tzaram ozen bechor. So we have a law of Bechor. What's the law of Bechor? A person has a Bechor. You have to give an animal, firstborn. You got to give it to the Kohen. The Kohen uh, brings uh, part of it as a Korban, and the rest he's able to eat. Unless there's a Mum, a blemish. If there's a blemish on the Bechor, then the Kohen gets to do whatever he wants with it. So now we're talking about a case where the Kohen intentionally makes a blemish on the Bechor so he can enjoy it. So therefore, Tzadam ozen Bechor, if the Kohen... Let's say he makes a nick in the ear, which is a, a moon, and then what? And then the Kohen died. Kansu banab aharav. They canast his son also. That what? We're not going to benefit from this bechor now. You shouldn't have made the moon intentionally. It's only if it happened. So therefore, it says clearly by bechor that the kanas moves down to the son. So the Kabbalah says, wait, mishum di isurad de oraita. No, that's different because there it's Yisudorait to put a moon in Bechor. Masha'enken working on Cholamor'ed, it could be it's Midrabanan. It's not the same, uh, it's not the same level of, uh, of Yisud. So therefore, uh, look at uh, to, look at Nashi for a second. Mishum di Isura de Oraitahu. Exactly, which means the Yisud Rabbanan over here is that he's scheduled for Hola Mu'ed. It is Dabara Abed. If he would have done it, you know, normally on, uh, without scheduling it, if it happened, it would be Mutar. However, the fact that he's scheduled for Hola Mu'ed, that's the problem over here. He could have done it before. So that's Yisud Rabbanan. So you have no Ra'ayah if we cannot the Kohen's son, not to benefit from the Bechor, that's Yisud Oraita. But we want to know if you were about Yisud Rabbanam. The Intim Selomar, Machar Abdo Leoved Kuchavim Umeh. We know that you're not allowed to sell a slave to a uh, somebody that's Oved Avodazara. And the Lord, why? Because uh, even in Ebed Kira'ani, he has a certain amount of mitzvot. Once you sell him to a Oved Avodazara, so that he cannot do the mitzvot, he cannot perform the mitzvot. So you basically uh, you're taking him away from the performance of the mitzvot. So the Gemara says, "Kansu beno acharav." So over there, 
they also knast his son. What's the knast over there? Read Rashi. Machar. Machar Okay, unbelievable. They made a knas over here that if the Ebed was successful to run away from the idolater, the Jew cannot take him back as a slave. Finished. He gets automatic freedom. And the son of the original owner cannot pick him up either. So they knas his son as well. So therefore you see what? We have a, we have a, 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 a knas. So the Yomara says... Now over there, Mishum dechol yomam mafkale lemitzvot. Because over there, it's a serious, a serious thing over there. Over there, they knast them because every day uh, that they leave this guy by the idolater, so you're removing him from the mitzvot. And therefore, the son did the same thing, by the way, because when the father died, the son's also guilty. Why, why don't you go redeem the slave? So therefore, the fact that the son also is guilty of the same crime of the father by allowing the Ebed to be by an idolater and therefore not allowing him to perform mitzvot, that's why they can ask the son. They can ask the son because he's just as guilty. Rashi, dechol yoma. So the son is just as guilty. But in this case, the son did not schedule this item on Cholam It was the father that did it. So the Geburah says, Hachamai. Over here, what's the case? Now the Gabbala gives the two study. Gavra kanis rabbanan. What's the kanas on the guy, the perpetrator? Well, then that he's not here anymore. Vehalete, he died. Or dilma mamona kanis rabbanan. Or they put the kanas on the object. That's the famous, uh, you know, hakiraz. Uh, and on the, uh, the hefsa was on the gavra. So therefore, if you say it's on the gavra, well, the gavra died. The son didn't do anything wrong. If you say it's on the hefta, it's on the object, well, the object is still here. They knas the money, they knas the perot, they knas the pishtan. Well, that's still here, therefore it should be, they penalize the son. So the Gemara says, We learned it in the Mishnah. Uh, you have a field that they took out the thorns during Shemitah. There's thorns in the field. During Shemitah year, they went around to the field and they cleared it from the thorns. Tizzara So you're allowed to benefit from that field on Motzeh Shivit, and you're allowed to uh, actually plant uh, in the following uh, the year after Shemitah. Litayba o nidaira. But if during Shemitah year they fertilized it, nidaira is heavy fertilization. Or you had animals like we learned yesterday, you pen them up and they fertilize the animal. That's nidaira. You made a deer, a pen around the around the field, basically fertilizing his asur. You're not allowed to benefit now from this field in shivit. So you see what? Uh, fertilizing a field is Yisudra Banan. The rabbis came along. And they, uh, they said uh, that it's going to be a suit to benefit from this. Now, Ve'amar Rabbi Yose Barhanina Naktinan, here's the case, Hitiba Umet. Guy improved the field by fertilizing it, like we said during Shemitah, and then he died. Beno Zorah. There you go. The son, however, is allowed to plant the field. So what do you see from here? Alma Lidide Kansura Banan. Lebre lo kansura banan. 
that the knas is on the gavra. So they knas the father who fertilized the field, but it doesn't transcend to the son. Regarding scheduling work on father or the guy who did it. So that's the first proof that the knas does not transcend to the son. Another one, naktinan. Let's say a guy was metameh, something that was tahor of his friend. His friend had tirumah, let's say. You come along and you metameh it. Okay? Or even if he had cholin. And this guy's a careful guy, he eats his cholin betahara, and you went and you metameh his cholin. So now the law is, lo kansu beno acharav. Normally, the father now who did it has to pay. That's a damage. And therefore, you have to pay. The question is, let's say he died. Do they make the son pay for that also? Now, normally, this payment is really not a hayav to pay. Because this is called a hezek she'enonika. It's a damage that's not noticeable. When you metameh something, you didn't physically do anything to it. It's a spiritual item that you can't even notice. But nonetheless, they can ask the father. And they say, you got to pay for this. The question is, if he dies, does the son have to pay for it? So the Gemara comes along and says... They didn't knast the son. He doesn't have to pay. My tama, what's the reason for this? Because from the Torah law, it's a hezek she'enonikar. So basically, it's a rabbinical issue over here. And we see this rabbinical issue does not transcend to the son, although the father would have to pay if he was alive. So you have another proof. So we have two proofs of time. One from Shemitah, and one from the case of being Both do not transcend to the sun. Therefore, we learn proof positive in the case where the guy scheduled this work to be done. Although the Mishnah says he cannot benefit from it, his children indeed would be permissible to benefit. Rabotai, we move on to the next Mishnah, Matitin, En Lokin Batim, Abadim, Ubehemam, without the purchase on Cholamoed, homes, slaves, animals, Elanet Sorech, Hamoed, unless there is a Sorech on the Moed, which means you need them. I guess you need the house to live in the, you need, you need the slave to serve, or you need the animals to be slaughtered, and things like that. Then it's permissible. Or the Sorech Hamoed, Sheenno Mayochal, interesting. Or the seller, he doesn't have what to eat, so he needs money. So therefore, if you know there's a guy that needs some money, you could buy the goods, even though you yourself don't need the goods. You're buying it in this case in order to supply funding for the mocher, for the seller, so he can use that money for his needs on Cholam uh, Moed. Do we have any Rashis uh, here? Not yet. No. Not yet. And this is just, just check out the Mosaf Rashis over here. No, we're good. Which means what? You want to pay somebody uh, for work that he's doing on Cholam Moed in the case where he has nothing to eat. Mahu. Which means, till now in the Mishnah, all we learned is you could buy something from somebody who needs the money uh, on Cholam Moed. You could purchase. Now we're asking a different question. Maybe purchasing is mutar. There's no terha in purchasing. There's no melacha in purchasing. Therefore, no problem. Buy it so you can use the money. Here, he's doing work. Can you hire somebody who needs the money, let him do some work, and then pay him wages on holam or ed? That's a 
That's a different type of uh, that's a different type of question. Now, obviously, the work is work that's not needed on Cholam Moed. If it was needed on Cholam Moed, then of course the guy can work. So therefore, you're hiring the guy specifically in order to give the guy money in order to uh, you know to have the money on the on the hug. So that's that, that that's the issue, the issue over here. Uh, so the Gemara says, Tanina." We learned it in the Mishnah. All Now, listen to the language of the Mishnah. The Mishnah seems to be a little redundant over here. All sounds like you're buying an item for tzorecha mocher. Now, what, what, what could tzorecha be? He needs the money. He needs the money. So why does the Mishnah have to say, she'en no mayochal? She'en no mayochal sounds like it's repeating. You just told me, tzorecha mocher. Tzorecha mocher must mean that mocher needs the money. Why do you have to tell me, en lo mayochal? Sounds like it's a different case. That he doesn't have food to eat. So the Gemara says, what, 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 what is that including? That extra interpretation, that extra line of en lo mayochal, isn't that included tzorecha mocher? What else could Tzorech HaMochet be? He needs, he needs money for the holiday. So therefore, obviously Tzorech HaMochet cannot be, he needs it for after the holiday, nobody would think that that could be permissible. He needs, he needs it for the Tzorech, which means why he doesn't have any food. So why does it have to repeat? And that's a new case. And what's that case? It's talking about a case of not a Mochet, but a worker. And therefore, if a worker doesn't have what to eat, you'll be able to hire him and let him work for you on Chol HaMochet in order to pay him. That's the way the Gemara wants to learn at this point. And the Gemara says, no, no, no proof whatsoever. Amar leh. No, pirusheh kamifarish. Okay, like we learned. The Mishnah is not including a new case. It's just explaining what the case is. Like we learned. Eno mocher. A mocher that what? That tzorecha mocher. What's considered tzorecha mocher? He doesn't have what to eat. It's not a, don't come and learn that it's a new case. So the Gemara comes along and says, fine. So we still don't have an answer to this question. We have a question now from Mishnah. We're not allowed to write loan documents on Chola Mo'ed. Let's say the lender doesn't trust the borrower. Okay, if the lender doesn't trust the borrower... So then you, be, you better write a document because that's davara avid. Because you're going to lose the um, you're going to lose the money, or it says he doesn't have anything to eat. It's two cases. Then already you can write. Now, what does it mean eno mayuchal? Who's eno mayuchal? Is it mean that the the borrower doesn't have what to eat? What is it coming to include this case over here? Now, it's not referring uh, uh, to the borrower that it's permissible to write a document if he doesn't have anything to eat um, because uh, it says, it's, they're learning because it says in the Lashor of the Mishnah, or she'en no mayuchal. Or, sounds like it's a totally, totally different, uh, different case. Do we have a Rashi on this? We have Rashi. Vim eno ma'amino. 
ואם אין לו מאמינו מלווה ללווה, שאין לו מה יאכל לעתוי ימי, אם ישום לווה הקעמד, אם אין לו מאמינו מותר. והכה לא מציל את הרוסי פרושק המפרש. תהכי מתרסם אל תד, אם אין לו מאמינו, שאין לו מה יאכל עליו מלתהי, והמותר בלב הכי. Right, which means it's, it's got nothing to do. Now she says you can't learn like you learned before that the second statement is explaining the first statement. There's two different statements. The first statement is the Loved doesn't, the Malved doesn't trust the, the, the Loved. So therefore, if he doesn't trust them, so therefore, that's one reason why he can write the Shtar. Now, En no Mayochal has got nothing to do with that. Even Yesh no Mayochal, you can write it if you don't trust them. So therefore, you can't, you can't explain like we learned earlier that the second statement is explaining the first statement. So there must be a totally new issue. What's the case? So the case must be, She'en lo'cha ma'yocha la'atu yemai, la'ad la'atu yeschar pe'ula. So it must be talking about over here, that if the guy who's writing the shtar, namely the sofer, doesn't have what to eat, so you can hire the scribe to write on cholam You trust the guy, no problem over here. So what, so what are you writing the shtar for? You're writing the start to give the scribe, the sofer, parnasa. What does he need parnasa for? Enno mayochal. So what do you see from over here? Answer to our question. You could hire a, a worker on cholam mo'ed in enno mayochal to get him some money in his pocket so he can spend money, you know, f- f- for the holiday. Shema mina. Unbelievable how the Gemara has medayek these one couple of words in Mishnah and learns halachot that are very, very, very significant. Shema mina. Gemara holds it. It's a, it's a solid proof. It's so unbelievable the Hakamim how they saw these these things in these words. It's unbelievable. Motiv Rav Sheshat. Rav Sheshat had a question uh, from a case that we learned about Sekhet Pesachim. We know that Erev Pesach, the rabbis made Takanot or Gezerot that you really shouldn't do Melacha on Erev Pesach. In the olden days, especially when they used to be Korban Pesach, it's considered a Yom Tov, it's a busy day. So Erev Pesach, although it's not a Yom Tov, and it's not Chol HaMoed, it's, a, it's, it's a, a good trivia question. It's, like it's, it's the only day of the year, maybe. It's not a Chol HaMoed, it's not a Yom Tov, it's a regular day, it's not a holiday even, it's just an Erev, but there's laws of Isud Melacha on this day, okay, more than you know, other days. What's the case? The case is like this. Vachamim Omriim, Shalosh Umanuyot Osim Melacha Barbeh Pesayim Ad Hatzot. Up until Hatzot, the rabbis allowed only three different, you know, industries to do work uh, on Erev Pesach. What are they? Ha-Hayatim, Vasaparim, Vakotsim, tailors, barbers, and launderers. And what's the reason why they allowed these three industries to work on Erev Pesach? Ha-Hayatim, Sheken, Hediot, Tofer, Kedarko, Becholos, Shilmoed. Basically, the rule is over here like this. Whatever we found uh, an industry that's permissible on Cholam Moed, in any which way possible, will allow it totally on Erev Pesach before Hatzot. And we found that sewing and tailoring will be permissible on Cholam Moed, albeit a, uh, in an amateuristic way. Like we learned, if a person needs to sew something for uh, the holiday, he'd be allowed to do it in an amateuristic way, like we learned in a few days ago. The point is, if it's permissible on Cholam which is more strict than Erev Pesach, so once I find any sort of heter for that industry on Cholam I'll be lenient totally on Erev Pesach. Hayatim is one of them. What else? Saparim v'kopsin, 
Is, is it ever permissible to take a haircut or to do laundry on Holam Moed? Yes. Sheken habayim in Medinat Hayam. A guy comes from overseas on the Holam Moed. And if he couldn't take a haircut and launder his clothes from before, or they let him out of jail where he couldn't do these things from before, and therefore we see that these three industries, so the Gemara comes along and says, wait, if you're coming to tell me, wait, on Cholam if a worker needs the money, he could do any work. Because you're allowed to hire him in order to pay him so he could have money to work. So basically then, we found the fourth industry. The fourth industry is a worker who needs money. So therefore, anything should be permissible on Ere Pesach, if that's the case. Basically, everything should be permissible on Ere Pesach. Because you could matir every single work on Chola Mo'ed. In a case of what? Where he needs the money. <laughs> Which means it, it should be permissible to paint the house on Erev Pesach. Why? Because there's a way to paint the house on, uh, on Cholam Moed. How? If you find a painter that needs money for Cholam Moed, you can hire him so you get him the money. So then we found a way for it to be done on Cholam Moed. It should be permissible totally on Erev Pesach. So you should be matin every single industry. Why are you only telling me these three? Oh, so you see Elawat. You see from here that we don't allow on Cholam Mo'ed to hire a worker in order to get him some money. So he has money in his pocket to spend on the holiday. Even in En Yochal, that's not going to be a heter. Because if it would be a heter, we should have another heter to do such things on Erev Pesach. And we don't. The Yavara says, Matkifla Rabbapa, Rabbapa says, Wait, according to you, this logic that you're telling me, you're, you're learning it like this, that everything that we find permissible in any which way possible on Cholam Mo'ed is totally permissible on Erev Pesach. That's your, that's your formula that you created. The Gemara is a question on that formula. question is, Binyan Nishtiri. <clears throat> then you should be able to build on Erev Pesach. Why? We learned already, if you have a wall that let's say is leaning in the public domain, you're allowed to actually demolish the wall and rebuild it. Why? Because it's a sakana. <laughs> Again, according to your rule, Rav Sheshat, that said that anything that we could find, any which heter on Cholam becomes permissible on Erev Pesach. So building should be permissible. Why didn't the Mishnah list you could do tailoring, you could do barbering, you could do laundry, you could do building. For the same reason. Ella didn't. <clears throat> Ella, what's the pshat? The pshat is that you're learning the, the, the formula wrong. We'll see another question before we get to the new formula. It should be permissible to, to write. A sofer should be able to write things on. Why? The law is that you can write these uh, documents of Kiddushim, Divorces, receipts on Cholam Mo'ed. So therefore, if that's the case, everything should be permissible to write. Any sufficient should be able to write everything on Erev Pesach. Again, but that's not one of the items. So what's the new formula? The formula is like this. Mo'ed Arbasar Karamit. What are you bringing me from Cholam Mo'ed to Erev Pesach? 
your whole proof is trying to say if it's permissible uh, on uh, uh, if it's not if it's permissible on Cholam Oed, it's got to be permissible on Erev Pesach. And the fact that you didn't include uh, a worker, or for that matter, any work, you didn't matir on Erev Pesach, even though we have a heter on Pesach itself, in the case of Enno Mayuchal, so therefore Rav Sheshat is, must be that it's a surah on Cholam Because it was permissible on Cholam Oed, we permissible on Erev Pesach. And he says, no, don't, don't bring me any ra'ayot from Mo'ed Tarbaasar. Mo'ed Mishum Tirhahu. The reason why things are forbidden on Cholam Mo'ed is what? Tirha. We don't want the person to have the exertion. Ubimkom Peseda Sharud Abanan. The rabbis came along and said, if you have a peseda, if you have a, a, a loss, uh, uh, therefore it's going to be permissible in order to, to be Torah. Because obviously that's not a tirha. When a guy needs uh, to do it, he's happy to do it. Similarly, in a case where a person doesn't have food, for example, that's not considered a, a, a tirha. The guy needs food. So therefore, for sure, it's going to be permissible on Hola Mo'ed. However, on the 14th, the formula was we only were matir things that are tzorich yom tov. And therefore, midi de tzorich yom tov sharu rabbanan. Like tailoring, you need to clothes for the holiday. Barbering, I need a haircut for the holiday. Laundering clothes, you need to clean clothes for the holiday. They weren't matir everything. Therefore, midi de lab tzorich yom tov. Lo sharu rabbanan. Which is, we're changing the formula. You thought originally, Rav Sheshah, Rule is like this. Since you can find a heter on the hag, therefore it's automatically permissible in any which way possible on Erev Pesach. So that's really not the case. The case is they allowed certain industries uh, that are needed for the tzorik of Yom Tov. Now, I guess you have to throw in, because the Gemara did say that we did find a heter on Chola Mu'ed. The Gemara is making that Connection. Gemara says, because we find the guy coming out of a prison, could launder his clothes. What do you have to say that according to this for? Just say, sorry, come talk. That there is an element of that, uh, 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 but it's but it's it's not the key. It's not the key factor. The key factor is that I can still find things that will be forbidden on Erev Pesach, but permissible on Cholam Oed. Because why? What's the get there? The get there is Erev Pesach. I'm material you things that are sorry, come talk. Finished. Now, obviously, building and doing other painting a house could be a sort of Yom Tov. That, that's why uh, writing some documents, that's not sort of Yom Tov. So even though you're right, I found a heter on Cholam Mo'ed, that's got nothing to do with, uh, uh, with, um, uh, with Ere Pesach. On Cholam Mo'ed, the issue is Tirha. Now, if I find that the guy needs to do something, so we wave Tirha. And therefore, since I have a worker that needs to eat, we waved the tercha, and therefore be permissible to hire him and pay him. No uh, connection. Uh, look at the uh, Rashi, Ela Amar of Asher, one, two, three, four, five lines before the uh, Mishnah, before the end of the... Uh, Ela, yep. uh, um, second. Beginning of the line, Ela Amar of Asher, Haki Garcina. Ela Amar of it's one, two, three, four, five, five lines wrong. By the way, she's throwing in. 
If a guy on Erev Pesach needs money for the holiday, and Sorek Gadol Mizeh, and Ekanam, it'll be mutar. It'll be mutar in Erev Pesach as well. <laughs> so then we, don't give me a question and say, oh, so you see, we weren't matirit. We weren't matirit. Erev Pesach is also mutar. If a guy needs money for the holiday, let him do anything to make the money. That's a concern at Sorek Yom Tov. And therefore, to, your whole question was, from the fact that you see we don't matir it, and the rabbi Asher is answering back, who said, who said we're not matir it? Exactly, we are matir it, by the way. That's considered Tzorich Yom Tov. Okay, now we go to the new Mishnah. Okay, now we're moving items from one house to a different house. Okay. Uh, now, where are you moving this stuff? You're moving it from where? Obviously, it's a, they're living in the courtyard in those days. So now that she doesn't tell me... Well, you can see from the next case. So it seems in the same Hatser, you could move stuff. In the same courtyard from house to house. But moving from one Hatser to another is going to be forbidden. See how we're learning the Mishnah? In a different Hatser... But, uh, you know, to move items to a house in the same courtyard, that would be permissible. So a guy cannot bring on Hola Mo'ed stuff uh, from the house of the uh, craftsman. I guess he had some stuff there that he had from before the holiday. He wants to pick it up. He doesn't need it for the holiday. He just wants to pick it up. But you can't do that. However, if you're concerned that they're going to get stolen or something's going to happen, you can just get it out of the craftsman house and bring them to the closest courtyard that's protected and put them in a house in that closest courtyard, don't bring them home, and leave them there until after the hag. Right, when it says over here, which sounds like a contradiction now that she's going to show us over here. When the first part of the Mishnah says you can't move anything, and then the second part of the Mishnah says you can. But I will point out right away uh, this contradiction. The first part of the Mishnah, it sounds like what? That you're not allowed to move objects from the house, uh, from one courtyard to a house in another at all. Now you're coming along to say that you can move them from house to house. Which means, like we learned, in the beginning of the Mishnah, it's talking about from one chatzer to a different chatzer. That's bigger ha. However, in the same chatzer from house to house, is going to be permissible. I guess... In, in, in one chatzir, obviously it's, uh, it's closer. Therefore, house to house in the same chatzir, it's less than ha. That's so permissible. Masha'enke from a different chatzir, too much uh, exertion. You're not allowed to bring kelim from the house of the craftsman. Amara papa, badiklan rabba. Rabba tested us. How did he test us? He said, Tenar, we learned, and we in kelim, we're not allowed to bring Kelim from the craftsman. Or we asked us a question. We learned the Masika Pesachim. Modichin umivim Kelim mebeta oman. There it says, you're allowed to not only pick up stuff, but you can actually 
drop off stuff to the Uman. Even though you don't need it for the Moed. Mamash a contradiction. So here we said, well, you can't pick up stuff. There it says you can pick up stuff even if you don't need it for the Moed. That was Rava's question to the Tanbidim. The first answer they told them, two different days. On Chola Moed, which is our Mishnah, there they don't want you to have exertion. So therefore, do not go pick up stuff, you know, if you don't need it for the holiday. But on Erev Pesach, there's no Isur on exertion on Erev Pesach. So therefore, it'll be permissible. They, they separated the days. Erev Pesach Mutab, and other days, no. The Gemara then gives a different answer. Right, so it all depends if you trust the guy. If you trust the guy, you don't need it for the holiday, leave it there. That's our Mishnah. I says you can pick it up. It's Eno Ma'amino. And if it's Eno Ma'amino, we said what? You don't trust them. Therefore, it's Hef said. Therefore, indeed, you'd be allowed to pick it up. That's the second way they answered. So the Gemara says, Tanya. We learned, actually. Tanya is over here a proof that she says. Tanya, we learned. Mivi'im kelim mibetauman. That you're allowed to bring vessels from the house of the craftsman on Cholamu'ed. Kegon kad mibet hakadam. A pitcher from the pottery house or a, a glass item, a glass vessel from the glassmaker's house. These items are clearly needed for the hog, no problem. But you can't bring wool from the dyer's house, D-Y. Or vessels that are not needed for the holiday from the craftsman's house. But if the craftsman doesn't have what to eat, so therefore, you want to pay him so he can have what to eat on the holiday. No problem. Pay him his wages and leave the item by him. But if you don't trust him, so then take the keli out, but just leave it in the house next to the craftsman, which means in the same courtyard. You can't transport it a greater distance because that would be a tirha. Leave it in the closest house so you don't have a problem. But if you're worried they might get stolen even in that house. And we have different Gidesaot uh, over here. Skip the parentheses. You can actually bring them privately to the house of Sabah. What is from this bright over here? That in the case of Eno Ma'amino, you can bring it home. And that was the Chalut that the Gemara brought. That when can you pick up stuff from the craftsman house? That would be considered a have said situation. So therefore, it is permissible. Now, Rava, when he heard this answer, he says, very nice. You only answered one part of the contradiction. Picking up stuff from the craftsman. But what about the fact that it says you can actually take stuff? Diktani was our Mishnah says what? You can't pick up stuff. Because you can't change modichin. All right. If in our Mishnah, you cannot pick up stuff from the uh, craftsman house. Certainly, you cannot bring stuff to the craftsman house on Holland Wade initially. 
But the Braita that the Mishnah that Rava quoted actually said, you're allowed to bring stuff to the craftsman initially, even on Holamoed. So the Chaurai have a contradiction on Molichim. So you got to go back to the original answer. Once talking about Erev Pesach, and once talking about Cholamu'ed. On Erev Pesach, you could actually pick up stuff and bring stuff. Because there's no Gizera on Tenha on Erev Pesach. Obviously, we have the Isur of picking up and delivering. Very good. That is the original answer that we gave. Now she says, So I guess they used to cut these figs and they wanted to cover them, the outside. If you're not going to cover the figs, they're going to get ruined in the rain. So you take kash, uh, I guess a straw, and you cover it with, the, with that over there. What, 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 what's the issue over here? It's a, it's a type of tirha, obviously. But we have a law that any time you have a davara avid, which in this case it clearly will be davara avid, the rabbi is allowed tirha exertion. Oh, now you have vendors that are selling fruit, clothing, kelim, utensils. They can sell their merchandise in private. Bitsinah. Again, these are items that are needed for the for the festival. So the chaura, why does it have to be done? Uh, the chaura, we should be able to open these stores up regularly. We don't have a rashi over here, but some want to say because these items you probably could have bought before the holiday, and you could actually store them. You know, kelim don't. Uh, 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 fruit even, if you buy it and you store it for a week, it'll be okay. Uh, Kelim obviously don't spoil. So therefore, they don't want you to open the store, you know, in the normal way, because technically you could have bought it from before, and therefore, uh, when a person buys them, so it's possible uh, that the people will think maybe you're buying it for storage for a later date, so they put a restriction on it. They put a restriction on it, even though you're using it for the holiday, of course. But since it looks like, you know, you're conducting yourself in the normal way where people buy stuff and they store it. So therefore they said you could sell this stuff because people need it for the holiday, but they put a restriction that has to be done by Sina'a. Hatsayadim, that's trappers. That's Shoshot, that's the grain pounders. Garrosot, that's the bean grinders. Osim b'tzina'a, that's sort of They can do their work. But again, for people that need this stuff for the for the holiday. But again, Rashi tells us that's your shot. Okay, that's for wheat, for for porridge. Right, that's beans. Ah, so it's a gizera. They don't want the people to say, oh, he's buying it for not for the hand. So the Gemara Mishnah continues. Rabbi Yosef says, that actually these vendors and workers were strict on themselves. Now we'll see exactly what do you mean they were strict on themselves? Strict to do it with sin'ah or strict not to do it at all? Not to sell stuff at all? Stay tuned for the Gemara. Gemara begins. 
Bar Abba, the Rabbi, Ase. Two rabbis arguing, with Tarvayu, both of them, Mishimid, Yehazkiyah, the Rabbi Yochanan. Hadamar. One rabbi explained the Mishnah, Mechapin Akelushe. That when you allow, we said you're allowed to cover the figs with the straw, so you're allowed to cover it akalusha in a in a in a in a in a light way. You just you know pouring some uh, uh, not, not to stack it up in a thick way, just lightly you pour some uh, 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 straw over the over the over the figs. However, me'abin asmuche. When it says the word mehapin, it means in a light manner. And when it says the word mehabin, mehabin is more thick, asmuche, that means you're covering them up, mamash, where you can't see them anymore. It's a total thick, thick, uh, uh, cl- close covering. Let's, let's c- catch the she's over here, akluche. Ah, that, that's very good. So you, you, you're not putting the straw next to each other, mamash. You're doing it sparsely, you know, with separations in between. So you're covering it like that. And then what would the next one be? Asmuche. Ah, so then you're mamash putting it next to each other where it's a total covering. So the Mishnah only allowed you to what? Mehapin. But it did not allow you to do Ma'abin, because that could be it's a bigger a bigger tirha. Right, that would that would be Yehuda. But the Tanakama I'm saying that said Mahapin is Dafka Mahapin Vidom Ma'abin. And then you're right. And then Buddha would say Af Af Ma'abin. So now the Gibra comes along and says Mehadamar Mehapin. That's right, the Bihuda made in the Mishnah, Af Ma'abin. And now we understand what Ma'abin is. Vehadamar and one rabbi said mechapin ben akluche ben asmuche. You can put the straw distance from each other, close to each other, cover it totally. No issue on that. So what's the issue of meabin? Meabin or sin otukimin kiri? That what you're taking the figs and piling up the figs to put them in a pile to make it easier to cover. That's the issue. That's a bigger tircha. Me'abin's got nothing to do with the straw. The straw you could put on whichever way you want. It's taking the figs themselves and piling them up in order to make it easier to cover. Tanakamah will say you can't do it. And the other rabbi says, that you can. To make these compact piles of figs. What is me'abin? Oseh, oto, kemen, keri. You make the figs into a pile. Mokhre, perot, kesut. Vekeri, mokhrim, besen'ah. Ibayadu. Now we're going back to the final part of the Mishnah. It says these people in these industries were strict on themselves. So the Gavadu says, strict on themselves, what? Hem, mechmiru, alatzman, delo, abu, abde, klal. They didn't work at all. Or maybe their strictness was that they started to do these industries only in private. They could sell these things in a modest manner, private manner, for the, for the sake of the festival. The Merchants of Tiberias were strict on themselves. 
כל העיקר, אוקיי? Okay? So you see that they were strict not to sell this stuff at all, they closed down. צדיח היות ועופות ודגים. צדים בצבא לצורך היות, we said the trappers, they can... of the fish and the, and the birds, they could sell their stuff with Sanada. Rabbi Yosef Omer, Tzadeako, Hen, Ahmiru, Al-Atzman, Shelo, Yehud, Tzadim, Kol Ikad. They were strict, closed down their businesses, not to trap at all in Cholamu'ed. Doshu Sheikh, Elka, Tirgis, V'tisni, Doshashim, V'tisna'ah, Le'tzorek HaMu'ed. The pounders, the pound, Elka, Tirgis, V'tisni, we'll see what that means in a second. They could do their... Pounding on Cholamuid B'Tzina'ah. Rabbi Yosei Omer, Deshrushet Sipureh, Hen Yachmiru Al-Atzman, Shelo Yud Dosheshin, Kol Ikas. So what do you see from over here? The stringency was not to do anything, to close down totally on Cholamuid. Now we go into some terminologies. We did this in Berachot. Amar Abayeh, Hilka, what is this Hilka? Hada Letarte, that's taking the kernels and splitting them into two. Tergis, that's splitting the kernels into three. Tisni Ada Arba. And then you have Tisni is splitting it into four. Basically, it's all different types of cracked wheat. Cracking it into two, cracking it into three, or cracking it into four. said no. Kunta. Hilka is Kunta. Hilka is a different item. It's not wheat. It's spelt. So the Yabara says, wait. We have a rule, we learned this many times, that for something to be kabel tum'ah, it has to be mukhshar first. How does it become mukhshar? It has to come in contact with one of the seven liquids. In this case, we're talking about over here, water. Now, all these items, before you crack them, they soak them. So therefore, the Gemara says, Helka Tirkis Vitisni, since they were soaked in water, therefore they mukshar the kabel tumah, temeim bechol makom, whether it's in the cities or the villages. Now, if you're learning like Abaye, that these items are cracked, splitting the wheat kernels, mishumachi temeim bechol makom. Now we understand why they're tamim, because before you split them, you have to soften it. And therefore you soak it in water. So therefore everybody uh, 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 will hold that these things are susceptible to Tumah. But according to the opinion that says, meaning Rabdimi that just told us that Hilka is spelt, why is Hilka Tameh? Why is spelt put in water? Spelt is spelt. Why should it become Tameh? Which means if you're not splitting it, you don't need to soak it. So if it's not soaked, why should it become Mukshal Tumah? Okay, if you're learning that Halka is just spelled straight up, why should it become susceptible to Tum'ah? Kemara says, no, Kegon de Mekalfan. This Halka that we're talking about is Halka that you're taking the, <coughs> the, 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 the shell off of it. Now, how do you take the shell off of it? You have to soak it first to make it soft, and then you take the shell off of it. If you're not going to soak it first, you're not going to be able to take the shell of it. Now, according to the first rabbi, Abaye, we understand why it's called Chilka. Chilka means to split. But according to Abdimi, why are you calling it Chilka? It's not, it's not splitting anything. It's just a, a spelt. So Gemara says, no, because... Uh, you're taking the shell off and now you're making it smooth. 
So halka is milashon halak. That it is smooth. Metibe, we have a question. What's the question? Hanodeh mina dagam. A guy makes a vow. I am not having any dagam. Asul af befula mitzri yabesh. He cannot even have beans. I guess these Egyptian beans that are dry are considered a dagan. Now, normally it's one of the grains over here. But dagan could also mean things that you pile. And therefore, since these beans were piled, so therefore it's included. However, umutad belah. But you can have these fresh Egyptian beans. The fresh Egyptian beans are not considered part of this uh, isud over here. I guess they were not stored in piles. And therefore you have no, no problem. However, here's the problem. Umutar be'ores. Even though the guy said, I don't want dagan. Neither against dagan. He could have rice. Hilka tetgis v'tisni. And he can have these hilka tetgis v'tisni. Na bishlama leman damar hada letarti hada letat hada l'arba'a shapir. If you tell me it's talking about over here, where you split them, Helka into two, Tergis uh, into three, Tisni into four, Denafkulu miturat dagan. Once you split it, it's not considered dagan anymore. No problem. Once it's not dagan, it's not included in your neder. dagan But according to Rabdimi that says, it's, it's just spelt that you took the shell off of it. It's definitely dagan. Why shouldn't it be included in the neder? Yabra actually says, Kashya. Yabra leaves that in a Kashya. Therefore, Ravdimi's interpretation seems difficult. Last point, Now, what are these Kirufayu guys? Selling spices, right? So he allowed them to go around to the market on Chalam Wait and sell it in the normal way, meaning in public. The Afkana brought a question. What's the question? In the case, let's say you have a store that opens onto a benched area, like when we learned in the marketplace in the older days, they used to have these benches in the front of the, uh, front of the stores. There he can open up in the normal way because it's blocked anyway. It's blocked by these benches. So therefore it's considered like uh, private, no problem. However, but if it's mamash open where it's flush to the shutarabim, he can open one door, but he has to keep one door closed. Again, we want to keep it private. Which is the last day of the Hag, I guess, Erev Shemini Atzeret, Motsi, that they can bring all their stuff, you know, the, the fruits and all that, and make their uh, store nice in honor of the final final day. Okay, put that on the side. But what do you see from over here? You can't sell, open your store in the normal way. So how did the Rav allow these Bissami merchants to sell uh, in the normal way? So the Gabbara says, uh, before we go further, the Gabbara says, The only time they let you open up the store the normal way was for the kavod of the last day. 
That's why they said you can sell your stuff publicly. So therefore, the hetet was only the chmot shemini outside it. You take all your stuff and put it in the public. Anything before that is going to be forbidden. So the Gemara comes up and says, La kasha habepere habetebalin. Ashi. Right, like we said, perot, you could store a little. So when the perot, we're worried that the people are going to suspect, oh, he's buying perot for after the hag. So that's why the perot stores have to be opened up and it's in our way. Uh, so I guess the spices are perishable. So therefore, nobody's going to suspect that you're buying spices today to leave for another day. They're perishable. So therefore, the spice guys can open up regularly because there is no hashad. Adran, alach, mishafach. Mishafach.